0: Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello, and welcome once again to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern. I'm so excited to welcome you back to the second week of our Fall 2022 series. My dear friend Crystal Wright is here with me again this week. Hello, Crystal. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yes, good to see you.
0: Last week, we were together in Mark chapter 4, and we talked about Jesus calming the sea, which is actually a lake, but the Sea of Galilee, Mm -hmm. saying, peace be still. And we talked about him calming the storm in our life, which is fear, and how we are either operating in faith or fear. This week, we want to unpack another really powerful story of Jesus and his life and his earthly ministry here. We're in just the next chapter, Mark chapter 5. So before we jump into the truth of this week's verse... I'd love it, Crystal, if you could give us kind of a high-level summary and then actually read the story for us. We're going to pull out one verse, but of course, this is a story. This is a real account from Jesus's earthly ministry. So we feel, you and I, like it's impossible to just pull the verse out without having it in context of the story. So go ahead and set us up, please.
1: Yeah, I wanted to zoom out really quick from the story. I know that God has given you just a ton to unpack and explain about this passage, but just to pull back for a moment, I wanted to talk about Mark and how he goes about writing his gospel, because there's a couple things that's really important to him that he communicates through the entire book that he wrote, and there's two reoccurring themes, and the first one is the authority of Jesus as the Messiah. He's just constantly communicating that point over and over, especially in the first half of his book. And in the second half of his book, he's really focused in on the mission of Jesus, that he came as the suffering servant. So it's all about the authority, the cosmic, powerful authority of Jesus alongside this very personal, humble, compassionate, loving way that he reaches out to humanity. So that's a really high level with Mark. He also has a unique storytelling style where he likes to move at a really rapid pace. He uses the word immediately 41 times in this book. Wow. And so – I like that because it reminds me of today at the shelter, I got to interact with one of my favorite families. Yes, I have favorites occasionally. And the kids were getting off of school, and they were just so happy, excited to see me and just telling me, Crystal, 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 this happened, that happened, look, look. And that's kind of the sense I get with Mark. He has so much he wants to share about who Jesus is. He can't help himself. He's just, then this happened, then this happened, and oh, and this and this. And so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's sort of the high level, but just really keep in mind the authority of Jesus alongside the servant compassion as Mm -hmm. I read you this story. I'm going to start in Mark 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. the one we would all expect that we're going to dive into today, but it's actually not. We're going to focus in on verse 27, which says, When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, And touched his cloak. Mm. So, Carrie, would you help us really understand why that verse is so important?
0: Right. So, all the verses are really important. But I think what's so interesting for me, Crystal, in this passage is I see a theme here with the stories of Jesus and his ministry. I see that he is intentionally setting situations up. For his father to be glorified so last week we talked about that was a setup hey guys let's go for a boat ride and i'm going to be sleeping air quote in the bow and let's go out and oh now there's a storm how are you going to respond to the storm he set that up that was his idea and now i see that this is also a setup for his glory to be revealed so she had heard about jesus what does that mean let's start there so if we look at matthew verses 35 and 36 it says that jesus had a reputation that everyone who touched him was healed so our journey with this passage starts with just because we know about jesus doesn't mean anything unless we do something about it And her faith was so extreme. And I would say, Crystal, her faith was so extreme because her need was so extreme. This is a woman who is operating in desperation. She's been bleeding for 12 years, which means not only is she financially drained, she's physically drained. She has nothing left. She's fighting her way through a massive crowd in her state of weakness, add to that she is a social outcast she is a social leper Malachi verses 4 2 is ringing through her head this is the Messiah I'm going to get back to that in a minute but she's got this example people are saying Jesus you go touch Jesus you'll be healed and she's saying maybe he's the Messiah maybe he's the one prophesied I have nothing to lose so I'm going to fight my way through this crowd I am desperate now. A couple things can happen if the crowd recognizes her as a woman with the issue of blood the zealots would try to take her to trial and stone her because levitical law in leviticus 25 through 27 it talks about if you're bleeding you are literally on the outskirts you are exactly like a leper you are unclean now the zealots would have been very very angry If you touch them or were around them and they had to go through ceremonial cleansing. So she's risking her life to save her life. This position on the road is really significant. Where was Jesus going? Jesus was going to the house of Jairus or Jairus. He's a very prominent leader. He's a very prominent political and financial figure in that community. So it would make sense if somebody is trying to gain a following to go heal Jairus's daughter, because all of a sudden you're going to win a popularity contest. If you're going to heal somebody, that would be the person you want to go heal. So he's on his way to Jairus's house to heal Jairus's 12 year old daughter. He gets stopped by this woman who is a social pariah, a social outcast. And he says to Jairus, you're going to have to wait a minute this woman is important to me, essentially. That's what he's saying. He stopped. He didn't push her aside. He didn't ignore her. Man, it would have been so easy for him to ignore her. She didn't say a word. She touched what we would imagine is the bottom of his robe, but that's not actually what happened. Jesus would have wore somewhat traditional Jewish garb. He would have had a prayer shawl. So in the Hebrew, the word would be tzitzit. So imagine the word zit twice and put a T in front of it. That's a prayer shawl, tzitzit. And it would be the tassels of the tzitzit that she touched. Why? Again, she's thinking of Malachi 4.2. When the promised Messiah comes, there will be healing in his wings. That's referring to the prayer shawl, the tzitzit. So she says in her mind, if he is the Messiah, like everyone's been saying, everyone he touches, everyone that touches him gets healed. If he's really that guy, all I have to do is touch the tassel of his tzitzit and I'll be healed. Now that's faith. She doesn't know Jesus. She's only heard the rumors. She's willing to risk her life to fight through the crowd with very, very little energy But this setup shows us that this is her last resort. This is her last hope. If Jesus can't heal her, she has no other recourse. She's probably going to die. The doctors can't help her. She's continuing to get worse. Jesus, instead of following Jairus, continuing on his way, set this whole thing up, knew that she was going to fight the crowd, knew that she was going to risk her life, touch his prayer tassel, And he stops, and he asks a question that he already knows the answer to. Who touched me? Why did he do that? Did he ask that question to shame her? No. He asked that question so that everyone in the crowd would say, this is who's important to Jesus. And so that the father would get the glory for her healing. If he had said nothing and she was healed, the father would not have got the glory. So many times, Crystal... And here we're getting into the truth. We believe the lie that God is being unkind because of what he allows into our lives. We're midway through the story. We don't like our circumstances. We don't like our sickness. We don't like the brokenness in relationships. We don't like financial loss. We don't like the ruin and the carnage and the heartache of this world. And Jesus says, I'm on my way. This is not the end of the story. But we have to understand that he still has the healing in his wings, but we have to run to him and want him and need him more than anything else. He uses these places of desperation in our life to draw us to him because we can't do it ourselves. And that is often where spiritual maturity begins. So this woman who has been a social outcast and leper for 12 years says, I have heard about this guy. If he's the Messiah, I'm going to fight through the crowd and I'm going to touch him. And of course, verse 27 holds hands with 28. She thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. So the beauty of this picture, the truth of this picture is it's not just some obscure woman on the road in the time of Jesus' earthly ministry. This very much applies to you and I. There was a Jewish custom very common that children would run to their fathers and they would say, Daddy, Daddy, pray for me. And Jewish fathers would wrap their children on their lap into their prayer shawl. And they would cover them and they would protect them and they would hold them as they prayed over them. And that is this picture. That is what Jesus is doing here. This is what Mark is trying to help us understand. Crystal, do you know that this woman with the hemorrhage, she's often called the woman with the issue of blood or the woman with the great hemorrhage, she is the only woman that we have recorded in the New Testament that Jesus calls daughter. So beautiful. So beautiful. And so the truth is, whatever our circumstances are, whatever our brokenness, whatever our pain, it it doesn't matter to Jesus. He doesn't see us as the outcast that others might see us or that we believe ourselves to be. He doesn't see us as broken and abandoned and lost and hopeless. He sees us as his son. He sees us as his daughter. And he say, would you allow the pain points in your life to make you come running to me no matter how hard it is, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, no matter the risk? Would you run to me and allow me to wrap you up in my healing wings malachi 4 2 in my proverbial prayer shawl my zit, wrap you up cover you comfort you and intercede for you just like i did for this woman so when jesus heals this woman she's going to have quite a reputation not only is her suffering done But she would have gone from being this social outcast, this social leper, to being this woman that's regarded with awe and wonder. Because we have to understand that Jesus is pretty new on the scene. People would have been afraid of this man of power, not quite yet understanding who he was, what he was. Is he the long-awaited Messiah? But there's this reverent awe and fear of this new holy man on the scene. And now this woman is completely transformed. So she went from being nothing to being a woman of esteem. And people would have been in awe of her. So not only was she not stoned by the zealots for coming in their midst and making them unclean. But she would have been an object of awe and wonder and praise. And ultimately, that's what Jesus set up, was glory for his father. So the truth is, Jesus uses all of the difficulties in our lives to draw us to himself, to allow us at times to be desperate for him, not to be unkind, but crystal. The reality is, as humans, we rarely go running to him with full reckless abandon If we can do it ourselves and he brings us low just like he did last week with the disciples in the storm just like he did with this woman with the issue of blood so that his father could be glorified in a way that would not have been accomplished had it gone any other direction so crystal why don't you go ahead and just jump into choice for us today I took truth you take on choice today What is the choice that you pull out of this passage?
1: I actually struggled a little bit when I thought about how to turn this into a choice because Mm -hmm. I think one of the dangers is we can start going into performance. If I do this, Jesus will do this. And it's pretty much the flip of what this passage is about. I'm really grateful you shared about the picture of how the father would wrap his child up in his robe and pray for him, because I think that's the invitation, the choice that we're being offered up through this story. And the choice is whether or not we want to receive that kind of personal love from the creator of the universe, who is awesome and mighty and powerful, but wants to embrace us in that way. And not everybody who encountered Jesus responded like this woman. Mm -hmm. Just a few verses back, Jesus does another incredible miracle, frees this man of demon possession. And the people around him are actually so afraid they wanted Jesus to just go. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading a commentary on this chapter, I just want to read this one quote, because I think it sums it up. When people are more afraid of what Jesus will do in their lives than what Satan does in the moment they often push Jesus away. Mm -hmm. So I think the choice that we have is we have the Savior who wants to wrap us up. He wants to bring us close. He wants to bring healing into our lives. And that may look a variety of ways, but that's his heart that he's offering and our choices. Do we want to embrace his embrace or is the fear of how who he is or what he might do in our lives so much that we would rather push him away. Mm -hmm. So that I would encourage each one of us to wrestle through where are you at right now in your heart with Jesus? Are you wanting to crawl up in his lap and let him embrace you? Or are you in the process of pushing him away?
0: Right. And I think there's a lot of reasons that we push him away. Rebellion, Mm -hmm. um, pride, I think, just anger at him. and. As you were sharing, you know, I can remember times in my life where things didn't go the way I thought they should. God allowed things that I thought he should have stopped or didn't allow things to happen that I thought he should. And I was just angry at him and I had to choose to forgive him. You know, that sounds strange to some people like God didn't do anything wrong. No, he didn't. But I needed to choose to forgive him so that I could allow myself to be wrapped up in his arms. So I think just being honest with ourselves where are we at with knowing that the God of the universe through the ministry of his Holy Spirit is reaching for us are we believing the lie that the things that are hard in our lives are God being unkind and abandoning us or are we choosing that those are the very things that draw us closer and he's saying come here daughter come here son let me wrap you up choose to get to really know me. Like we looked at last week, if they had really known Jesus, they would not have been afraid in that storm. Crystal, thank you for that choice. I pray that we all make it this week. And we're going to spend one more week in Mark. We were in Mark 4 last week, 5 this week. Let's do one more week in Mark. Let's jump into Matthew 6 next week. And Crystal, would you close us in prayer, please?
1: Lord, thank you so much for this story. Thank you for choosing us like you chose this woman, Lord. Thank you for the fact that when we do come into your presence and we experience your power and we experience your healing, we are transformed. We are transformed, Lord, and that's scary to us sometimes because as we're transformed, old parts of us die. Mm. So, Lord, I ask that you would help us. Would you help us through your Holy Spirit? Would you help those that are listening to have enough faith to reach for you, to receive what you want to give them, Lord. You can be trusted. The transformation, the things even in our life that you want to uh, remove or change uh, is for our good and for your glory. So help us to trust you. Help us to um, see your glory in the midst of our storms. Thank you so much for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us. For This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.